Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studios, it is the Wolf and Luke Show on a Friday morning, a Friday Wolf before a three-day weekend for most of the listening audience. A, I don't know uh, what you're talking about. I even thought about that no. three-day weekend and not one second, Luke. Yeah, what, of course It's broadcast, no. man. It's a Friday. That's all you need to say right there. It's Friday, Friday, Friday. And it's a football Friday. This is it right here. We all understand this. When Labor Day comes rolling around, when Labor Day weekend is here, guess what starts, Basinonians? Blood Bowl. That's what. Get ready. It's going to get a little nasty. It already has, hasn't it? Uh, I also learned this morning that it is a filter Friday, as you were blasting. I I love it. I'm walking down the hall through the newsroom, and they're all out there typing about serious news things, and I just hear filter, and I'm like, yeah, this is why I work in sports, not news. Yeah, you know, at some point in time, can we possibly hear that? Can we hear a little filter at some point before we actually get off the air? Yeah, I think that's a guarantee. We will. I'll I'll call for it, as a matter of fact. I think you just did. (laughs) Didn't you? No, I did not. Um, But listen, uh, what are we talking about in this beautiful part of the program, Luke? Because Uh, right now... You don't want to get me sidetracked. Uh, yeah, it's been an interesting morning. Wolf is just doing his own thing. We may do two separate shows here. I don't know. We might we may come together right at one forty five. It'll be great. Uh, I think I'm going to keep you around for the first segment, though, Wolf, because we're talking a little Cardinals depth chart, the first depth chart of the actual season. None of this backward stuff where your fourth stringers are starting because it's a preseason game against Cincinnati. We've got the actual depth chart. And uh, for the most part, what you would expect, but some surprises mixed in there. What surprises for you? What what stood out to you when you looked at the depth chart? Uh, I mean, I'm going to roll on this. Yeah, I'm going to let you go first on this. <laughs> you want me to go first? I want on you to this? go first because you're going to end up just going anyway. So you just go first. Okay, listen. Um, a couple of things on this, ladies and gentlemen. They have four tight ends and five running backs on their 53. <laughs> I mean, is that, does that shock anybody? Uh, I'm a little shocked by that. I really am. And yeah, am I a little hopeful? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little hopeful that maybe this means something as well. But four tight ends and five running backs on the roster. Can you say red run, red run, red run? Yeah, it's be an interesting a little show. red run. Uh, the run raid has come to the basin, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go ahead. We're going to keep four tight ends. And we're going to have five running backs. We're going to line up, I guarantee, in 23 personnel. Bad Rob. Bad Rob. We're going to call it Jumbo, and we're going to blow your face off. Okay, look, that's not going to happen, all right? I'm just joking. But anyone look at that and thought, man, they kept a lot of tight ends. And a lot of running backs. Well, it's it's hard to look at it and not notice that basically 20% of the roster is running backs and tight ends <laughs> when this has been a team over the last three years, certainly, that, that doesn't really rely a lot on multiple running backs or any tight ends. Now, it changed a little bit last year. You get Zach Ertz, obviously. And even before he went down, Max Williams, they were, they were utilizing him more. But yeah, basically... 
What is that? Like 18% of your roster is committed to two positions that in the past people would not associate immediately with the Cardinals. Yeah, exactly. In Cliff Kingsbury's first year, do you think you were going to get nine guys playing tight end and running back? I, I don't think so. And it just shows a little bit of the evolution once again. Can this be massage based on audience? Yeah, this can change as well. The depth chart can. This is what they've already done. Aaron Brewer, of course, they cut him. That was really a surprise. We all kind of, and then we stopped and thought about it, and we are all like, you know what, he's probably going to clear waivers right there, of course, and yeah, he is vested, so he doesn't even have to do it. They're going to sign him back. That's what they're going to do. They're going to go ahead and bring Aaron Brewer back. They're going to sign him back to the 53. They just needed to get past that cut down, that original 53, because now they can start putting guys on lists, like IR. Now they can start doing that. They did it with with um, certain guys that are out there right now, and they're going to continue to do it to massage the depth chart. That's how they get away with this kind of stuff. It's one of the reasons why you see on any given Sunday in the fall for an NFL team, 70 guys walking around the building. <laughs> There's 70 guys. Yeah. Practice squad included, of course, the 53, and guys that are on injury lists. Uh, was that the main thing that jumped out to you? I mean, everything else, I would say, other than the tight ends, was Fairly expected. Antonio Hamilton is still listed as your number one corner ahead of Marco Wilson. Now, we'll get into the Antonio Hamilton stuff because they're not going to have him for a while. But if you had said at the start of training camp that uh, your starting tight ends would be Byron Murphy and Antonio Hamilton, you would have had to assume that Marco Wilson is the one that got hurt. Yeah, you you would have. Uh, Antonio Hamilton, that is obviously a big concern, of course. We'll get into that a little bit deeper here. But I'm about to get myopic on your ears right now, Basinonians, and I apologize for that. But Marquise Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown is listed as the X. The X. He's listed on the team's depth chart as the sole receiver. Now look, um, this, this, I, this is the ultimate right here. This is reading into the depth chart in a big, big way. And I fully admit that, Basin audience. But from top to bottom. Weren't we warned, warned against that earlier this week? From top to bottom. Yeah, we were, as a matter of we fact. Were. We were warned we're about that. Anyway. But I'm going to do it anyway. Right, read into it. From top to bottom, the Cardinals' depth chart reads wide receiver, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Tight end, wide receiver, wide receiver, run, or quarterback running back. That's 11 personnel. Hmm, okay, so you had one wide receiver listed on one side of the offensive line, and then you had two wide receivers listed on the other. Okay, 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide. We all get it. We understand that is the base personnel group for the Arizona Cardinals. Why is Hollywood Brown? Up there at the X, which what is traditionally listed as the X receiver. That to me, I thought was kind of interesting right there because I always thought he was going to be the Z. He was going to be the strong side receiver. He was going to be the guy that lined up to the tight end side. Um, and now all of a sudden, the X receiver, a guy that you like to feature an awful lot in your offense. I'm just saying, you this have is to, a, though, right? Don't this you is for the, the first ultimate six weeks, depth chart. You, you, you have to. Hollywood Brown's got to be a huge part of what you're doing those first six weeks, bigger than AJ Green and Rondale Moore. Yeah, but you know what I thought was going to happen? I thought that because um, DeAndre Hopkins, by way of example, 
D-Hop is not a burner, is he? No. Uh, no. no. Who, who actually mimics his skill set better? A.J. Green or Hollywood Brown? Well, I, I would assume that's the A.J. Green, Antoine Wesley part of the depth chart. That's basically DeAndre Hopkins, right? Okay, so yes, I, I'm A.J. Green is the guy I'm talking about. I thought A.J. Green would line up as the X, knowing you had, you had Marquise Hollywood Brown and Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore in the slot and Hollywood Brown on the outside, and here he comes over the top, over the top of A.J. Green. So A.J. Green is going to get a little breathing room because you got Hollywood. Now all of a sudden, I, again, this could be totally wrong, totally wrong, and I fully admit that, Basinonians. I could be totally wrong. But there it is, Hollywood Brown as the X, the featured side, the featured receiver, if you will. And that doesn't mean, of course, that he's going to play X for the entire season. It could be just because that's where they see him actually getting reps and getting a lot of targets because that's where D-Hop normally plays. It's going to be... (laughs) I just want to see a game with the Cardinals at this point because it's tough tough for me to trust the depth chart until I see who's actually playing in week one because Cliff has been so vague. Like, I'm looking up and down this depth chart, and if I'm going to look at these 22 guys that are listed as starters, as the starters, he's been pretty vague about, let's see, four, four of them. At least four of them. Of if they're even going to play him, and some of them we haven't seen in a month. Yeah, and I just want to make this point quickly right here as well. See, the reason why I'm speculating on this and marveling is because I thought they would not want to move Hollywood Brown at all. You know, go ahead, put a guy who mimics DeAndre Hopkins. When Hopkins comes back, he mean, yeah, as that X right there, and then all of a sudden have Hollywood Brown right where I thought he was going to be as the Z receiver to the strong side of the formation. The vast majority of the time, over the top. But apparently, that's that may not be the case. Interesting. We'll have to watch it. Bix Picks is back for the 2022 NFL season. Text pick to six twenty six twenty to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize seventy five inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a fifty dollar gift card to Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers. So not bad there either. Just text pick to six twenty six twenty to enter. When we come back, ASU got the win over NAU last night. Looked about as good as you could have hoped. What can we read into that? It's next. The Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Speaking of. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, 1-0. Take it if you're a Sun Devil fan. And Wolf, I would say that what you saw last night was probably about the best you could expect for. It was a win. I get that it was NAU. NAU, who, by the way, not a whole lot on those jerseys last night. <laughs> those yeah. White pants, white shirt, white helmet. It yeah. was it was almost like that scene from Dodgeball where they didn't have their uh, jerseys show up in time, so they had to wear somebody else's. It was just, NAU looked like... Other team in a movie, basically. Yeah, kind of looked like my alma mater, West Virginia, by the way. No, <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that the, up. Yeah, they went the, exactly the same way right there. Uh, let's go back to the dark helmets, please. Thank you very much. Next. <laughs> well, ASU did what I think they're going to need to do all season, uh, and that's not win 40-3. That'd be nice, but they're going to need to run the ball 
and win with defense, or as you said a lot yesterday, Wolf, dominate and control the line of scrimmage. Now that's quite a bit easier against NAU, no disrespect, than it is against Oklahoma State, whose quarterback accounted for six touchdowns last night in their game against Central Michigan, and that's who ASU plays next week. But all things considered... You know, if I'm watching that game last night and, and I'm trying to find reasons to get excited about this season, Emory Jones looked decent and Xavier Valade looked good in the backfield, and those are going to be the two biggest things. And specifically with Emory Jones, it goes back to the conversation we had yesterday, Wolf, of this could end up being a very likable ASU team, sure. whereas last year's almost came off as entitled at times. I don't know if everybody saw Emory Jones' comments after the game. But they were very consistent with the impression he's given so far of this guy really seems to want to be in Tempe and to have this opportunity at ASU. Yeah, once again, there you are. You're diving in and you're going myopic, Luke. I love it. I I have to start when we talk about this for the first time with the Sun Devils. I have to start at 30,000 feet. I'm sorry. This game was always going to be about the what. It was always going to be about the what. Right? Or no. It was not going to always be about the what. We what? we all thought ASU was going to win, the, right? We all thought we all they were thought gonna they were going. What was the poll everybody question yesterday? About forty percent said ASU wins close. Everybody, everybody believed the Sun Devils. Basically, what were they a twenty four and a half point favorite or something yeah. like that? But you don't know everybody what to expect believed. when you have forty three new players on your roster in the very first game. Understand, but this was about the how, man. This is how they were going to go about doing their business. Everybody knew the Devils were going to win this game. That was the what. It was the how. I wanted to know how they looked doing it. And that, to me, is why it started on the offensive line and the line of scrimmage and the defensive line and the defensive line of scrimmage. To me, it was the line of scrimmage. They dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and that was where I needed to see them dominate. And they did it. Yeah. They crushed them. They I think the the definition of that would be 267 rushing yards to 23. 23 rushing yards. That is complete control of the line of scrimmage and when you play an inferior opponent that's where you need to start. Yeah, uh, and, and great, great to see that from ASU. We actually, I think we have a caller right now, Wolf. This is uh, oh, it's uh, on the Arizona Sports Line. I believe this is Mark May. Uh, Mark, Mark uh, how's it going, Mark? What, uh, what 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 brings you to the show today? It's a glorious morning in the city of Pittsburgh right now. The Mountaineers got crushed. The Panthers just toyed with them like a kitten with a ball of string, just pushing it along, pushing it along. Then right at the end, whack. Scored a, scored a pick six for 56 yards. Game over. What kind of dive bomb is going on right here? <laughs> Back is Daniel. Throws the pass. Intercepted! On a tip! Running with the football! And it's MJ Devonshire still on his feet! He's at the five! He's into the end zone! For a Panther touchdown! You have to be here! Let's go! You have to be here! Stop it! Mayday! We... Mayday, we would have blown you guys out. We would have beat you guys if we could have just tackled and... 
caught the ball. <laughs> that's part of the game, my man. You know that. You oh, can't man. turn the ball over. Pitch score twice off of turnovers. That's what you're supposed to do. But how about that? Just ripping your heart out at the end of the game. Just when you thought at the end, Wolf, that you had us. You that the know. ball's back after over a decade. And you're going to march into Pittsburgh and steal a victory and go back to Morgantown as a winner. You but no, right at the end, the Panthers just snatched that victory right out of those jaws. You know, right now, I want to say, who's the dirtbag that had Mark May come on here and dive bomb me? But I think this was collective, was it not? Mayday, seriously, Ike? Oh, man, it crushed me. It really did. Larry Fitzgerald won't return my text, okay? Just so you know, he will not do it. He's ripping me, of course, on Twitter. He's all over Twitter. He's ripping me on Twitter, but he won't return my text. Way to go, Fitzy. See, I did it the classy way. All I did to tweet out was H2P, Hail <laughs> 2 Pit. That's all. That's all that needs to be said. Oh, we know we got you. Man. Hey, Wolf, you know the four times that I played you guys at West Virginia, we were 4-0 with a total score of 162-41? to 41. <laughs> Those are the days I'm talking okay. about. All right, Dad, right there. Now, when were wow, those days? When did you actually play, Mayday? When exactly? What years? 77, 78, 79, and 80. Boy, you're old, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I didn't get there, Mayday, till 81, so you never beat us. <laughs> You and Dan Marino. Uh, okay, Marino did beat us. Um, but the, the one good thing about it, it was a great game to watch. I mean, I've, I've gotten responses from a lot of people, from, from a lot of my friends from ESPN, just saying what a great game it was to watch. Yeah, it was, Mayday. No doubt about that, man. Are you glad the backyard brawl is back? I mean, to me, it's come on. You, that should be the first game they play every year. Absolutely. Back when we played, it was always Pitt. Penn State, West Virginia, we played each other every single year. Yep. And there's no excuse why that robbery shouldn't be there again because you've got your non-conference games, just schedule them. Yeah, no way. Man, that is awesome right there. Dude, thank you so much for yeah, calling this is great, in. Mayday. Said, that's awesome. Mayday, we got to have you on. Is that all right? Sure. Yeah. Just let me know, guys. But here's the deal. It is a great day in Steel <laughs> City. We're the three rivers, the Ohio the Allegheny, the Monongahela, they converge together. The confluence right there. You know what that is. That's the strength of the city of Pittsburgh. Yes, we know all about it, Mayday. Just <laughs> stop it. Um, listen, honestly, God bless you, bro. And uh, we'll talk to you down the line, okay? You got it. Take care. And, uh, hey, uh, uh, Aaron will just text me or something if you want me on. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, oh, thanks Mayday. That's Mark May joining right. us okay. on the Arizona Sports Line. You did not you know did that not? was coming, right? We were no, trying to communicate yes. non-verbally between okay. me and the control room right so, there. All right, so Maloney and attack and command and control and you, Luke. I mean, I'm not going to claim innocence Interesting. on this. No, and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, if ASU were to ever lose a game, then maybe retribution will be coming. But ASU's undefeated right now after that thumping of NAU. Play the music. Somebody give me the baton right now because, once again, man, they destroyed the lump. Jackson again. Uh, listen, I love NAU. I do. If my kids go there, I'll be happy they go up to NAU because that means we get to go to flag. Yeah, maybe. you're just looking We're for an excuse back, to go somewhere where it's cooler. Flag, but you know what, man? They did what they should have done. Yeah, they look, they did. As I was saying before, I mean, it's your first game with, with a, almost half your team. You know, what was it, like 48% of your team, Herm said the other day. That's You never know what you're going to get in that first game. If they go out there and play really well against Oklahoma State next week, then, okay, let's let's get crazy. But I think we had the conversation yesterday, Wolf, of what's the most you can get out of a game against NAU to start your season. you got to win. 
You got to do it convincingly. They weren't just like chucking the ball over the field. It wasn't a bunch of like 80 yard plays. They, they systematically, it was three nothing at the end of the first quarter, but then they just took off, but they did it in a, a sort of contained way that I think they're going to try and play most of their games this season. Again, it's not going to work to the tune of 40 to three, but where my optimism yesterday was coming from was a, the fact that this team may rally together, although they did have a penalty callback, a pick six early and a penalty on a third and long, which had turned into a fourth. I wasn't real happy about those, but you clean it up early in the season. But, uh, but this is how they're going to have to try and win games is by running and playing defense. And I just want to say this really quickly about Emory Jones. He looked good. There's no doubt about that. And he had to be a little nervous playing in his first game as a Sun Devil. I would imagine playing at home uh, against a team you were supposed to beat handedly. He had to be a little anxious, maybe, if not nervous. And all he did was look poised, collected, Athletic, capable. That's good. Yeah, he said after the game that was this is his first time ever as a captain at any level, and he was really fired up for it. So, Love it. And that's that's the sort of stuff that that needs to go ASU's way this year, where it is more of just that collective team, where you know it's they they are greater than their individual talent. And again, I don't know how much you can read into a game against NAU, but I do like the way they looked, and I, I'm especially encouraged by Valaday because. ASU's success the last few years under Herm has come when they can run the ball really well, really with multiple guys. X. Yeah. They just put X on I the scoreboard. When I they, love that. You know how they do, like, the, they even have, like, the closed captioning on the scoreboard at the stadium when the guy announces what happened, yeah. but they also write it out because it gets loud in there. They just wrote X. They <laughs> try and spell out his I name. I love that, man. X. Validate. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. We finally got answers on Antonio Hamilton right at the end of the show yesterday. So where do the Cardinals turn now at cornerback? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Byron Murphy, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I saw Murphy coming. This spring, he was different. His body was different. His mindset was different. Lee Flicker pitching it back to Lawrence. He's in trouble. Jump ball pass picked off the inside by Murphy at the 30, running it back to the left of the 20-10-5 touchdown. Now he's a leader in that room, showing young guys how to prepare, take care of their bodies. It's just been awesome to see his progression, and the results are being shown on the field. DB's out three. One, two, three. DB's. Let's go. Wolf and Luke. Talk Cardinals. Now. All right, Wolf, I, I promise no more surprise guests. No, I can't. Yeah. I, I promise, I, as far as I know. Although I do want to say this. Uh, later I don't on the believe show, you. No, I, I, that was, that was, I won't say it's a one-time thing, but like a one-time thing for today. Okay. Uh, but did you happen to look at the show sheet who we have on in the final hour of the show? <laughs> as a matter of fact, I didn't. Should I have done that? Well, right I think there? Yeah, Zach okay. Gallon is joining us. Zach! Yeah. Sad gallon man again. Friend of the show. He and, is a friend uh, of the show. Enemy to all National League hitters over the last month. What are you becoming? It's been a month since he's given up a run. Zach Gallon. Uh, so he's going to join us later on the show. We're going to talk Cardinals right now, though, because this story really kind of came out towards the end of our show yesterday. So we didn't get to react very much. Antonio Hamilton, we know, is not going to be available to the Cardinals for the first few weeks of the season. Sounds like four weeks. Dealing with burns from a kitchen accident, a cooking accident, and uh, and he tweeted some of the the pictures out. Um, uh, it's scary stuff. I mean, the way he described it uh, on on line, and just kind of the way now the pieces of the story are are filtering through. But it sounds like he, you know, he's ultimately okay. But you know, 
We've talked about him quite a bit this this training camp, and yeah. we talked to him two weeks ago. I think it was today when he came on and, and told us the story of, of just how, his path to get to this exact point, how excited he was to be a starter. He's still listed as a starter on the Cardinals' depth chart. They're not going to have him for the first few games. Yeah, they're not. And you know what? That's bad. That's a bad thing right there. As a matter of fact, uh, he's going to miss four games. That was weird to me. The entire situation, of course, that was going on with Antonio Hamilton. I, I have no idea why the powers that be were so obtuse about his story and what happened. I, I mean, we were kind of joking about it. Cliff sounded Cold War era mysterious about it when talking about this accident that happened at home. Yeah, um, this was one of those times where maybe, you know, there's balance, right? Because you're talking about somebody's health beyond football, so maybe they didn't want to say anything. But also this is one of those times where when when not saying anything almost made the story sound more... It just made it sound worse, you know. Like your mind starts to race. Like, okay, what what happened to him? Right. What did he do? What? Why is he not playing? You know what I mean? Right. There was some mystery, I guess, surrounding uh, how long these burns that he suffered in this cooking accident at home. How long these burns would take to heal? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe they Maybe. were there. There was a reason. I will promise you this right now. There was a reason why. But um, more than anything else, the only thing I can think of, especially after talking to him. Because I, I feel so bad for Antonio Hamilton. Yeah. Honestly, after talking to this guy, he's 29 years old. He's had the long and winding road so far in the National Football League. He's bounced around. Now he's been given the opportunity. He took full advantage of that opportunity. Played really, really well. Not only in, in training camp, of course, but in the preseason. Um, for me, I'm, yeah, I'm... Sad for him. Yeah, that you know, it's it's funny you say it that way because normally I would look at this and be like, boy, the Cardinals are really in trouble. You know, look at their first three games. They're already playing without Hopkins. Look at who they're playing, and now you're down a corner who was a starter. Uh, and, and that stuff is all true. But when I heard the news, my first reaction was basically what you just had of, I feel bad for this guy before the team because he has, he, you know, not talking about a guy that was a first-round pick that always knew he was going to play. He, he, as you just said, has been bouncing around, not even knowing if he was going to be able to string an NFL career together. He gets on the team last year, makes some plays, but even, you know, coming into this training camp, he wasn't really talked about much. It was always, what do they have behind Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson? And he plays well enough to move ahead of Marco Wilson, and now he can't play, and I'm not saying he's going to lose his spot while he's gone by any means, but right now he's listed as the starter and nothing's given in the NFL. Yeah, on that note right there, Luke, uh, he would not be the first guy nope. to lose his spot when he was not out there on the field, and he won't be the last guy to I, lose his I, spot. And I don't mean spot on the team, but right now he is the starter. He's listed as the yeah. starter. Yeah, I, I know, exactly. Um, but once again, if suddenly... You've got Javelin Gidry. If he goes out there and plays well, you got Trayvon Mullen, of course. They brought him in. Um, and now you've got two guys who are going to get the opportunity to play. And if, in fact, they go out and they play well, that depth chart is going to change. Yeah, it sort of goes back. It's, it's obviously different circumstances, but to what you were talking about in the first segment of the show where you were surprised Hollywood is lining up, at least according to the depth chart, where he is, because you would think if things go well the first six weeks of the season, when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, you don't want to disturb things much. You just want to slide Hopkins right in. You don't want to have to move everybody else around. That's going to apply to the corners, too. If things go well the first four weeks, let's say, before Antonio Hamilton's able to get back, 
you know, you don't just all of a sudden move everybody else down and be like, well, this spot's reserved yeah. for him. You don't, but don't really do that for anybody unless they are like an established star. Now, those first three games in particular are not going to be easy. You know, honestly, um, my rookie year when I came into the league in 1985, there was a veteran that I heard him say to another guy in the locker room. He said, you can't make the club in the tub. Now, you know what? Honestly, I will tell you, that was the first time I ever heard that. <laughs> you can't make the club in the tub. Now, I don't know how long that's been around. I, To me, I, I believe that's been around a lot longer than 1985. You can't make the club in the tub. But that was the first I actually had heard that kind of terminology. And I knew exactly what that meant. And then I remember talking to a coach. And a coach told me that, you know what, out of sight, out of mind. And I think that was year two. As a matter of fact, and it was Hank Coleman. That's a lot in your first coach, two years. Out of sight, out of mind. And I'll never forget that, man. Never. It's the harsh reality of any sport, but especially it football. It is, man, especially football. If you're not out there doing it much of the time, you're a guy trying to make your way in the league and you're not out there doing it. Out of sight, out of mind. I would I would say that probably applies to, what, 90% of the league, really, right? I mean, if Kyler Murray missed the first four games, they're not going to be like, who? When he comes back, right? Yeah. Like he steps right back in. But, I mean, the majority of the league is not a star quarterback who just got a quarter of a billion dollars. And I will say this. I, I do believe the National Football League today in 2022 is um, kinder and gentler than what it once was. No doubt. Yeah, that's... That's fair. That's <laughs> you're not the first person that has uh, has intimated that. That might be the nicest way I've heard it put. But uh, yeah, something something to keep an eye on now for the Cardinals because you go out and you get Trayvon Mullen, but you lose Antonio Hamilton. So aren't you kind of where you were at the start of training camp, where you're trying to see what you have behind Marco Wilson and Byron Murphy? I cannot wait to see Trayvon Mullen play. I, I cannot. A guy that has got some length, he's got some athletic ability, is one of the reasons why he was drafted in the second round. Um, this This is very, very intriguing to me and becoming more so. And the reason being is because when this first happened, I did believe this was a depth move. And if somehow, some way, the Arizona Cardinals pull off a trade before the first week of the season, I'll still believe it, <laughs> that this was a depth move. Um, But it's interesting when you look at what the Raiders are doing, what is going on there, Josh McDaniels. Kind of a wholesale fire sale. You may you may have gotten somebody. We got to see him play, but you you went into a situation where you might be able to get somebody for less than you normally should be able to get them for. They're dumping some guys. Yeah, they're just from cleaning the old house. regime. Yeah, interesting. All right, we come back. The Jazz sent Donovan Mitchell to the Cavaliers, and that impacts the Suns. We'll explain why next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, big news yesterday, Utah shipping Donovan Mitchell to not the Knicks. It's never the Knicks, Wolf. It's always speculated to be the Knicks for 99% of the process, and then the good player always goes somewhere else, and that happened again. He went to Cleveland. That is absolutely destroying a lot of NBA analysts in the Northeast. That's uh, Destroying them. You know, honestly, I don't understand why the Knicks can't 
ever get any of these guys. I, you know, it's ridiculous how any any big name player, relatively big name player, gets tossed out there as potentially being available, and they're always immediately speculated as going to the Knicks, and none of them ever do. But I'm surprised some of them don't in the last ten years. Right, right? but you're happy that nobody, yeah, I mean, nobody's going to the I, Knicks. I, I just this think it's kind of <laughs> comical. Now, I didn't want Donovan Mitchell to get traded yet. Because if you are holding out hope for Kevin Durant, and I'm really not at this point, I do still think it's possible, but I just, I like the team the Suns have, and I've, I've come to peace with that. Uh, but I do think Donovan Mitchell was the sort of part you had to have out there if you want to move Aiton, and the Nets don't want Aiton, you got to move him to Utah, and the Nets get Donovan Mitchell in addition to other pieces. I mean, you can see how you, you need other big names out there that are available. That's not the case anymore. So I think if you're holding out hope for Kevin Durant in six months, that just took a hit yesterday, too. It doesn't mean it's any, it's not done, but it, I feel like it took a hit. But the other thing, Wolf, Utah is the cautionary tale to me of how quickly things can fall apart in the Western Conference if you're not careful with the team you have. The well, that year, is a good example. The Suns, the Suns go to the finals two seasons ago. Utah had a better record than the Suns that year. They were the only team with a better record, and now they are selling yeah. off spare parts. Yeah, it's incredible. I think you're right on this. I think Donovan Mitchell was the harbinger of nuking the KD to Phoenix hopes that were out there. Something I just crazy would was, have to happen. That was the beginning right there. Um, I will tell you, based on it, that I like this. I do. I do like this because I, I think the Suns are definitely out of KD and the KD trade rumors that are out there. I, I don't think the Suns have a chance to actually land them now. I think I things would have to change, whereas before it was kind of like if you stay on this course, you have a chance. Yeah, now now stuff that they don't control would have to change. Dramatically. Uh, it appears the Suns, they're getting ready to trade off some draft picks, probably, and some players, I would imagine. A combination of both. So what it does is it leaves the Utah Jazz as a team. We did briefly talk about this yesterday as a team that may be sort of similar to what you were saying with the Raiders, where you know you have a, a new regime coming in and cleaning house. Maybe if you approach that situation the right way, you can get a piece that helps you at a, a discount from what you would normally have to pay for it. And there's not like there's no stars left on this Utah roster, but Boyan Bogdanovich is there. And Gambo tweeted this out yesterday. There's a story up on the website now. Uh, Gambo said the Suns have already reached out to Utah about Boyan Bogdanovich. And sort of along the lines of what you were saying, Wolf, this is refreshing in a way because this is the Phoenix Suns saying, how can we improve our 64 win team right now? When the season starts in a little over a month. Yes. That's Boyan Bogdanovich averaged, what, 18 points a game last year? Like, you need to score? A little bit over, as a matter of yeah. fact. Yeah, there's no there doubt. This guy can shoot the three. He can shoot the three. He's absolutely excellent in regard to shooting the three. This guy has lit it up over the last, what, decade? He's 33 years old, and he's got an expiring contract. But he's in the top 10 in terms of his field goal percentage. Over the last decade. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, this guy can shoot the three. We all know that. And you know what? 33 years old with a, con- a year left on his contract. Um, what are you going to have to give up for that? First of all, the fact that James Jones, this is what I love. James Jones said, wow, okay, Donovan Mitchell. 
traded, gone. Okay, so I'm, I know that he's heard that. He obviously knew that was coming down. Now, all of a sudden, we're hearing about how the Suns picked up the phone and called Utah. Hey, we're interested in this guy. Because they know the fire sale is on That's, over there. They know it. That, to me, is, I don't want to keep jumping between sports, but that is what Steve Kime has maybe been the best at for the Cardinals the last couple of years. Indeed. Hey, the Raiders are selling off pieces. What can I get? Hey, Houston is <laughs> confused and they don't know what they're doing. Give right. us uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And I think this is what James Jones is doing right now, obviously. Okay, you're selling off. Um. Hey, we got some stuff you may want, like draft picks. And when they do, and that's the thing. Like, obviously, Danny Ainge, they know what they're doing in Utah. But if you're the Suns, you look and say, okay, maybe we can make a deal that helps both of us. We don't really need our draft pick for next season as much as you do. You need picks. You're trying to rebuild. Utah just just gave away Don, not gave away, but traded away Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who were the two focal points of their oh my goodness best record in the NBA team a, a year and a half ago thunder and lightning so yeah so now if you're the Suns or any team that's trying to get pieces off of Utah Utah doesn't really need Boyan Bogdanovich they don't need those 18 points a game on an expiring contract they do need your picks where it gets tough is obviously it's, the Suns have to match yeah, the salary you know what I also think of too Bogdanovich I wonder what kind of teammate he is I wonder what kind of if in fact you do pull the trigger on that Right, you wonder what kind of teammate he may be. When I'm talking about a possible trade to Utah, you, you think of some of the guys that might be, oh, I don't know, of interest to the Utah Jazz. I immediately think of Jay Crowder. Now, Jay Crowder, of course, we know he's got a history. <laughs> he seems to only want to play in Miami, right? Now. Exactly right. But um, Jay Crowder is a pro. He's a pro's pro. Man, if I if I'm rebuilding and I got a lot of young guys, I. Would love them to have the attitude Jay Crowder has. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know what's going on. He may be getting better at this point. I don't know that, but they do. They know these executives, these guys, the players talk to players. They know the grapevine is vast and varied. They know if Jay Crowder is getting better. They know if Jay Crowder would like to come in and kind of mentor some of these young guys. Now, Jay Crowder, I wouldn't imagine, would want to go and, you know, this is a guy that's competing for championships, and now he's involved in a rebuild. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, I, can't, I can't imagine see, he would be excited about it. I can't it. see him being excited about that, but I also can't see him not looking at his job and taking it professionally. Well, I can't see him not doing that. Yeah, because he is on an expiring contract. So whether Jay Crowder is here or Miami or Utah or somewhere else, you know how it is, contract year? Not like you're not trying the other years, but you're not going to suddenly pick that year to be the one where you're like, no, I don't want to play. Like, <laughs> if, if you don't want to play in your contract year, you're not going to keep playing. Uh, I think the biggest thing, though, I, if I'm Utah, I just want picks back. You just you have to match the salary. So I mean, are you going to throw? <laughs> you could just do Landry Shamit and Jay Crowder and basically hit the salary. Well, exactly, you know, um, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. That was one of the reasons why I thought of Jay. What about Dario Saric? Yeah, I mean, if you paired Saric and Shamit together, that's they're at about eighteen point seven five for next year. Okay, and Bogdanovich is right around nineteen. So I, I there's a way to do it if. If Utah is interested, and again, I don't know what they would really want with Bogdanovich. The issue would be is if somebody else can offer them more than you, if you really like him. But otherwise, I can't imagine he's going to stay on, on Utah next year if multiple teams want him. Yeah, no, you know what? I, I Hey, listen, it's going to be interesting to see what happens right here. But I have to imagine if, in fact, this is getting out, Gambo reported it, um, it's got a lot of teeth to it. 
And that makes me think it's going to happen. Gambo's going to join us in about 20 minutes, too, okay, so he'll, cool. he'll talk about it there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, with, with Utah, mentioned Jordan Clarkson yesterday. Um, I don't know. Is there anybody else in Utah you'd even really realistically want on the Suns? I, I, to me, it's to me, Bogdanovich makes the most sense. Clarkson's not bad either. See, to me, if I'm Utah and I am in this rebuild and that's exactly what they're, I want as many pros as I can jam into that locker room. I want as many dudes who are going to go about their business in a professional way and teach all these young guys how to do it. That's what I want. I want pros that are willing to mentor these young guys. Real quick here before the break, this is Dave McMenamin yesterday saying, yeah, you can expect more moves from Utah. Quite frankly, I think we're going to see more. You know, what does a Jazz team right now need in veterans in Jordan Clarkson or Bogdan Bogdanovich? Like, there are more draft picks out there to be acquired. I'm talking to you from Los Angeles. The Lakers still have work left to be done. And if they're not going to get Kyrie Irving, that door has been shut now for a couple weeks. You know, Utah and Indiana become their top targets in order to improve their team. And if Utah now has already pulled down the foundation and all you have is some, some really nice window dressings and guys like Clarkston and Nabogi, you move them as well. And so I think you could see even more action uh, coming out of the Danny Ainge front office in the coming days. Yeah, and just to be clear, this is not the Bogdanovich the Suns traded forever ago on draft night. This is not Bogdan. This is Boyan. Don't get your Bogdanoviches confused. <laughs> he said Bogdan, did he not? I mean, he look, did. It's, he, he, said he, he did. But if you're a Suns fan driving around, like, didn't we already trade this guy once? Why do we want him back? No, this, yes. is, this is a different Bogdanovich. Yeah, that's good. There are many Bogdanoviches. Right, good safety tip from your Uncle Luke. Know your Bogdanoviches. Uh, all right, we come back. Where do NFL executives see the Cardinals finishing in the NFC this year? We'll tell you next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.